Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, it is such a joy to be speaking to you today, a special uh, joy, of course, in the wake of uh, last night's thrilling results. A uh, very special welcome to you if you're watching this in Ukraine today, um, but also, of course, the Woking congregation, uh, wherever in the world you're watching this. I'm sure we always have lots of friends in America who uh, join in on these live streams. Happy independence from us. Uh, day. Enjoy your fireworks. And of course, it's an exciting Sunday as well because uh, it's our second week meeting again on three sites uh, and here online. And uh, it's the second public meeting of the Aldershot congregation, our new church plant. Last week, was just absolutely brilliant. It was a capacity crowd, obviously, within social distancing restrictions. Can't wait to be speaking there uh, later today. And we are two weeks away from uh, the end, we hope, of restrictions related to COVID in England. So it's a wonderful day. And there's a sense, if you look at the headlines in the papers, of people daring to dream again about the football and even perhaps uh, the summer finally starting here in the UK. I want to speak today about being rooted in love. Rooted in love. This is the fourth in our Rooted series and I'm going to try and draw together the, the, the threads. We've talked about being rooted in Christ, rooted in community, rooted in worship. I want to draw those threads together. Because we're just coming to the end of COVID restrictions, I also want to try and just uh, bring one or two observations of things we may have learnt from this season. Everywhere I go, people are saying, how have you changed? What have you learnt through lockdown? And I want your permission to be challenging. I am going to challenge you today uh, from God's word. At the risk of stating the blindingly obvious, our world is desperately seeking love. Wherever you look, you see this from Love Island <laughs> to Olivia Rodrigo's just chart-busting hit driver's license, which is all about uh, processing heartbreak, through to Kazuo Ishiguro's uh, new novel, Clara and the Sun, which is all about what is love from the viewpoint of an android, uh, right through to those deeply moving scenes that we've all uh, seen of, of, of families being reunited after lockdown. Love is simultaneously the most meaningful and beautiful thing about life, but also often the most complicated and painful. So let's turn together to one of the greatest passages in all literature and certainly within scripture about being rooted in love. This is Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray 
that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Paul, in this amazing prayer, prays for us that we would be rooted and established in love. Some translations say rooted and grounded in love. He's mixing two metaphors, a botanical one and an architectural one. And what they have in common, of course, is that they're both about the strength that comes through depth. I talked to a wine grower once and he told me a fascinating thing. He said, the flavour of a grape doesn't just come from its variety. And it doesn't actually just come from, say, the sun and the weather. He said, the flavour of the grape is also deeply influenced by the soil in which it grows. Your life is like a fine wine. It tastes of the soil in which it is grown. If you root yourself in fear and anxiety, constantly sort of focusing on the negative and uh, worrying in those sorts of ways, then eventually your life will taste bitter. If you root yourself in anger, and lots of people are doing that right now, eventually your life will taste sharp. If you root yourself in doubt, and cynicism, eventually your life will be kind of flavourless because you'll never commit to anything. But if you root yourself in love, your life will taste sweet and rich and people will want to drink from it. I want to show you a picture. In fact, I'm going to show you two pictures of two trees. The first one is this one. This is the Canadian sugar maple. Doesn't it look beautiful? It tastes delicious as well because this is the tree from which we get maple syrup. And so you've got these beautiful red leaves. It's as sweet and as pretty as a tree can be. But it also literally is about as shallow as a tree can be. Its roots, believe it or not, are just 10 to 20 centimetres below the ground. One sneeze and the Canadian sugar maple is firewood. Let me show you another picture. I think we can agree this one is less attractive. 
This is at the other end of the arboreal spectrum, the shepherd tree of the Kalahari Desert. This tree has the deepest root system on earth. It stretches down some 70 meters, over a hundred times deeper than the maple. This tree, as a result, can survive some of the harshest conditions on the planet. Listen, if we have learned anything at all through this last year, it is surely that to survive, we need deep roots in uh, love, in community, in friendship, in family. That's how we endure the extremes and the storms that have broken upon our world and our lives. But especially, we know that we need to be rooted deeply in the bedrock of God's unshakable love. I was so moved to spend time uh, over the last few days with a member of this church, Fergal Roach, who's given me permission to share what I'm about to tell you. Many of you will know that Fergal's wife, Heather, a much-loved member of this church, who uh, ordinarily would be one of the first ones with her hands in the air in, in worship, Heather died. Uh, very suddenly, three weeks ago, just over three weeks, having collapsed whilst working at the food bank with Anne Mather and others. And Fergal and the family is obviously deeply shocked and deeply distraught, as you would expect. But he told me the most remarkable thing. Fergal told me that he has been overwhelmed by the love of this community. So many people praying and uh, making food for them and sending messages and even offering to walk the dark. He said this, and I wrote it down, he said the number one characteristic of Emmaus Road Church is compassion. Wow, I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for being rooted in God's love. Not just for the Roach family, but for Chris and Bex's Berry, uh, for the Lawson family, for the Dan family, for so many others. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. I, I don't really, if I'm honest, mind what else we get wrong as a church, if we get this right, that we would be a people of love. You see, we survive the storms, the extremes of life, like the shepherd tree in the Kalahari Desert, by being deeply, deeply rooted in love. That's why, actually, Heather Roach was at the food bank that day because her life was rooted in the love of God, and so it was showing the fruit of that love in loving other people. It's because of love that we as a church, as you may know, are currently kitting out kids from some of the poorest families in our area with everything they need for going back to school in the next few months. Love is what we do as a church. That's why we've planted uh, the new congregation into Aldershot. 
There's a scripture uh, that says this, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, Christ's love compels us. There's something about love that isn't passive. It compels us to go and to engage and to make a difference. Love is what we do. That's why we're planning our biggest ever alpha in the autumn. Because Christ's love compels us. Love is what we do. That's why we pray the way we do. Hundreds of us. Every day. I I don't even know how many prayer meetings we have anymore. Love is what we do. That's why we're dreaming of a new lighthouse facility in Guildford. And uh, we're so close to being able to maybe make an announcement. I can't say anything yet, but watch this space. Love is what we do. That's why we are wrestling with issues around human sexuality as leaders at this time. Seeking to love those who are broken in their sexuality which is, let's be honest, all of us. Particularly seeking to love those who are alienated and ostracised because of their sexual orientation. But also seeking to love the whole body of Christ, the family of God, stretching back 2,000 years, 2 billion of us, with its important traditional perspectives on these issues. You see, Love's complicated. Love is both the most uh, wonderful motivation in our lives and the greatest complication of our otherwise selfish existence. Sometimes love isn't nice. Sometimes love takes courage. Many will be aware that tomorrow, Monday the 5th of July, British MPs will be voting on an amendment to the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill, which is an attempt to introduce abortion on demand for any reason at all, right up to birth. This is an outrage in a civilised society that we would even be debating this. Most of us know people who were babies born prematurely. Beautiful, perfect babies. The thought that they can be killed. Listen, of course we love the mothers. But of course we also love the babies, the most vulnerable. Please, I'm sure I'll get letters of complaint about this. Honestly, I'm happy to talk about it. If you need, we'll do some teaching on the sanctity of life. But those of you who are with me on this, please let's pray into this and please let's write to our MPs. It'll get overturned. It won't get, it won't get through that bit of the, uh, that amendment to the bill. But it's important our MPs hear our outrage because otherwise this could be the thin end of the wedge. Listen, we do what we do because we are rooted in God's love. We love the way we love because of Christ. It's not just that we're terribly nice people, you know, trying our best. It's that he is a gracious God and we are rooted in his love. As it says in 1 John 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. It's his initiative and it kind of overflows. So now what I want to do is just get really practical. How do we do this? How do we root ourselves in God's love? And I want to suggest three things and these are practical, they're challenging and each one 
there's a lesson from lockdown attached. So the first one is this. If you want to be rooted in God's love, I believe you need to root yourself in a physical place. Root yourself in a particular place. Listen, if we learn anything at all in lockdown, it was surely this, the value of local community. Loving where we live. Not many people have missed commuting, missed aeroplane travel. Love where you live. This is where we take our Rooted series most literally. This call to earth ourselves in God's love in a particular place and time. As Jesus was God earthed in a particular place and time. Christianity is an embodied faith. When Jesus commands us to love our neighbours, it must first and foremost be literal, your next-door neighbours. You have to root yourself somewhere. You can't root yourself everywhere. I meet so many people who seem to have itchy feet and restless hearts. They spend more time on Zoopla than they do in the Bible. They are geographically adrift. They are not rooted in the place where God has put them. The grass is always greener somewhere else, where house prices would be cheaper, or where life might seem more exciting, or life might seem more peaceful, or whatever. Listen, you're called to love where you live. Some people so long to see God move in some great way everywhere in the world that they miss what he is doing in one particular place in the world in smaller and subtler ways. Do you know it's possible to miss your life in three-year increments? You never want to commit anywhere more than one, two, three years. You don't want to get tied down, right? But then ten years later you look back And you've not established or built anything lasting relationally or culturally anywhere. Perhaps that's why the Benedictine uh, order, uh, the Benedictine rule, there is a vow of stability. Monks knew, nuns know that, that, that they must commit to the unglamour of a place that the grass is greener where you water it. The writer Wendell Berry, who I love, he was part of the New York literary scene and he gave it all up to turn, return to his roots, which was farming in Kentucky. And today he's a famous writer, poet, environmentalist and farmer. He says this, I love this, I came to belong to this place. Being here satisfies me. I had laid my claim on the place. I had made it answerable to my life. Of course, you can't do that and get away free. You can't choose, it seems, without being chosen. For the place in return has laid its claim on me and has made my life answerable to it. Can I challenge you? Some of you, this is a specific word for you. Can I challenge you to choose the place that has chosen you? To put down roots, to love where you live, to speak well of the city, to pray for it, to repent of your restlessness. 
The next practical way that I think we, we need to root ourselves in God's love, not just root yourself in place, but root yourself in people, in relationships, in community. Again, if there's anything we learned in lockdown, it is surely we must never again take people for granted. Let's celebrate family and friendship. You know, I grew up in a Christian tradition that was really strong on personal faith, but really weak on Christian community. People had social lives rather than friendships. And living within that, I was longing to find not just an environment where Christians would sort of egg each other on a bit and hear talks, but would actually be stirred up in their faith. I wanted to root myself in community, and I couldn't find it in that particular context. I remember taking all my courage in both hands and knocking on the door of the best preacher we had in that particular uh, church and um, saying to him, you know, would, would you speak into my life? Because, you know, I was just aware that um, there were all sorts of things going on in my head and my heart and my life that in that tradition, you just had to either read a Christian book or you had to go to a, a, a church enough that eventually there'd be a sermon on that topic. And I was like, how can I just sit down and talk about the real stuff from a Jesus perspective? So I went to this guy and said, could you do that with me? And he said, yes, 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 of course, I'll disciple you. And he gave me a reading list and an awkward cup of tea, and we just never talked again. He didn't know how to do for me what had never been done for him. And it was actually several years before I found a community where I could root myself. I met a guy called Roger Ellis, who today is one of the overseers of this church, actually. Roger... um, had become a Christian as an adult, so he knew how to hold his own in the normal world, but he was also passionate about Jesus. And he said, if you move down to the very peculiar place where he lived, a place called Chichester, uh, if you move down there, I will, uh, will, will read your diary, I'll speak into your life, and I, I went. If I'm honest, it felt like a sacrifice. I was living in southeast London, it was very multicultural, I was out at gigs a lot, Uh, I I could eat a different type of food every night of the week. It was great fun. And suddenly I was in this place that was like, it was like the National Trust incarnate. You know, it was like, I I was like, what do people do here other than go to the pub and watch videos? And after a few years, I found out they go to the pub and watch videos. And, and, and you know, it, it felt like a sacrifice. But as I rooted myself, in people and place, I fell in love. I fell in love with the place, beautiful place. I fell in love with the church and the people, not perfect, very ordinary in many ways, but beautiful. I fell in love with Sammy. I was immeasurably and eternally blessed for, as I felt at the time, sacrificing myself and sowing myself into that particular place. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching.
Rarely has a scripture spoken more prophetically to the church in this nation. Let us not give up meeting together as some are doing. Can I challenge you to root into living community? If you're watching this at the Woking venue today, good job, guys. Thanks for coming. I know many of you watching this, there are good medical reasons you're having to shield and God bless you. But please, if you're in this region of the world, come along to one of our live services. Uh, if, if you're rooted somewhere else and there's a living church near you, get stuck in because ultimately there's something we can't get through the screen. Let us not give up meeting together. The inconvenience of it is the whole point. You know, in um, 13 days time, Sammy and I have got one of the, the, the best dinner invitations we've ever had. We are so excited that the African and Caribbean community at the heart of Emmaus Road has uh, just honored Sammy and me by inviting us to a meal. And we are so excited. We know the food is gonna be fabulous. It'll be different, but fabulous. And we know that it won't matter if we're a few minutes late, uh, many of my African friends uh, say to me, uh, you, you white people, you have watches, we have time. <laughs> it, it's going to be different, but it's going to be brilliant. Listen, if you just want to hang out with people like yourself, um, join a golf club or become a, a goth, you know, just, just a demographic kind of cultural shtick. But if you want to hang out with people different to yourself, politically, socially, culturally, in every other way, join a church. The third and final way I think we can root ourselves in God's love. I've talked about rooting in people and in place. Is root yourself in the purpose of God. Again, if there's anything we learned during lockdown, it's surely this. Life is incredibly fragile. There is a fierce urgency to our mission in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ's love really does compel us to engage. And so I want to finish by sharing something beautiful that my friend, Reverend Dr. Joel Edwards wrote. You'll have seen this, many of you, on social media or in the mainstream press. Many of you will remember Joel Edwards speaking last October at Emmaus Road. Uh, Joel was eminent. He was a statesman in this nation. He was the former general director of the African-Caribbean Evangelical Alliance and then the Evangelical Alliance. He was a pastor. Uh, he was a you know, PhD, a brilliant mind, a justice activist. And he died in the last few days. And this is the statement that he obviously wrote in advance to be put out when he died. Dear friends, this is to say a final goodbye. First, my incredible thanks for your prayers, love, and holding on with me for that fingernail miracle. Words cannot express the depth, breadth, and height of my gratitude, but I have gone home. My earnest prayer is that your faith and tenacity on my behalf will not be considered a pointless religious exercise, but that it will have strengthened your faith in a God who is marvelous, mysterious and majestic in all that he does, the faithful one. I commend my family to you. 
I know you will watch over them in the months and years ahead. And I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build us up and give us an inheritance amongst those that are being saved. And then Joel Edwards finishes like this, his last words, I wait to welcome you. I wait to welcome you. Here is a man rooted in God's love in his life and in his death. Joel Edwards, like Heather Roach, reminds us of both the beauty and the urgency of the gospel. What really matters in life? If you're watching this and you're unfamiliar with some of what I'm talking about in terms of the love of God, can I ask you a challenging question? Do you know where you are going when you die? And if you're not sure, I urge you to prioritize joining us on Alpha when we next run the course in the autumn. And if you say to me, yeah, Pete, I do know where I'm going when I die. I do know the love of God. Can I ask you this question? Again, challenging. Do the people that you love know the root of your love, where your love comes from? Let's finish with a word of prayer. But I'm going to pray the words of the apostle over you now. This is a 2,000-year-old prayer. Let's pray. You may want to just open your hands in front of you. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to hand back to Bill. But first... I just want to get really practical. Now, if you're in other parts of the world, other regions of the world, then this is perhaps less relevant to you. But for those of you in Woking, those of you in this uh, area, I want to be really specific about some of the ways in which you can root yourself in place and in people and in God's purpose. Because we have some real needs right now that you can help with. Do you know it takes 80 people, 80 people now, to just run the Sunday services at Emmaus. I love that. I love that that's not salaried people, that's just volunteers. It's family coming together as a worshipping community to care for kids and lead worship and so on. One of our great needs at at the moment, particularly in Guildford, is for people to volunteer for the Sunday welcome team. Um, if you volunteer for this, uh, maybe you could just do, say, one Sunday in every four or six. 
And it's so important because you become the smiling face of the church at a time where people need reassurance and to feel safe more than ever before. We also need people to volunteer with our under-18s, with children and young people, especially again on Sundays. Maybe you could just do one Sunday a month where you'd miss the talk. You can watch it later and spend time with children and young people. Obviously, you'll need to be uh, police checked. We can sort all that out for you. But we need people who'll do that. Listen, I, there's no greater way of changing the life of another human being than to pour yourself out for young people. It's such a powerful thing to do. You can make such a difference. It's been such a tough year for them. Maybe I could gently challenge parents. Don't, don't just come week after week and say it's really nice to you know, have the babysitting service. Enjoy that three out of four, but why don't you one out of four say, you know what, why don't we just volunteer and, and, and care for some of the kids so that other parents can be freed up. To me, that's just fair. At uh, The Cozy, which is our social enterprise cafe at the Lighthouse in Woking, we need people to be trained up as barristers and, um, and, and to do just serving at tables and so on. And if you do that, you could just come in you know, during office hours, one day a week or something like that. We'll train you, you get free coffees, you get free lunches, and it's such fun. It's such a brilliant space. But we're struggling just to keep it open through July because we need more help. Maybe you fancy that. We also need people to help with our style studio. That's clothing, men and women. By the way, we particularly need men who could help with that. Uh, I'm not sure I'd be much good at that one, but some of you would be brilliant at it. And then the final one. If you've listened to this list and said, no, 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 can't do that. Here's one every single one of us can do. We can all eat cake. I'm told that there is an urgent need for people who will come into our Barnsbury Community Centre and eat cake and talk with elderly, lonely people. These are just a few of the ways in which you could root yourself in this place and in these people and in God's purpose. And any one of us should be able to do at least one of those things. Can I encourage you? In a moment, you're going to find out practically how you can sign up. But we need help because it's all hands on deck now as we begin to meet live again and we push back into the mission God has given us. Thanks so much, everybody. God bless you.